Hello and welcome to another episode of the Scouting Report Podcast. My name is Brandon Ramsey and I'm here today to bring you everything that you need to know about the Ole Miss Rebels. I'm recording this Tuesday morning, so the game will tip off this evening. We've got a ways to wait. The game's not until 9 p.m. tonight down in Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, Ole Miss, and then the game's on ESPN um, tonight at 9 o'clock. The Ole Miss comes into tonight's game with a 13-10 record. They're an even 8-8 in the SEC. Um, They had won four straight games at one point. They've still won five of their last seven. Uh, However, two of those losses have been in two of their last three, um, including Saturday at Vanderbilt when they lost 75-70. Worth noting, not only did they lose to Vanderbilt, uh, who's last place in the SEC, uh, but that was also a Vanderbilt team that did not have Scottie Pippen Jr. or Dylan DeSue in the lineup. So that's certainly not a very good loss uh, for the Rebels. But still, won five of the lo- their last seven playing pretty solid basketball and find themselves 8-8 eight and eight in the league right there, um, fighting with Kentucky for those spots in the 6-7-8-9 range. Um, you know, there's there several teams kind of jumbled up in the middle of the standings there, and there's still a lot to shake out. Um, in terms of what the SEC tournament bracket is going to look like here in the final week of the regular season. Um, But we will start to sort a lot of that out tonight uh, with several games going on across the conference. Um, But to dive in a little bit to what Ole Miss is like, obviously this is a team that we have not seen yet this season. We had to wait till the end of the year here to to face the Rebels. But um, Coach Kermit Davis, he's in his third season, is doing a pretty good job there. He's, he's uh, coming off of a couple solid seasons, at least by Ole Miss standards. Um, this year, uh, once again, they're they're probably outperforming uh, what what would have been expected. They have several transfers that have helped them win some games, and then they have Devontae Schuler, who's an All SEC type of player, um, but. Coach Davis does do a good job of getting his guys to compete really hard. They're really solid on the defensive end of the floor. However, they just don't have the talent this season to to score enough to, to, to win even more games and to solidify themselves as an NCAA tournament team, uh, which unfortunately, that probably sounds familiar for a lot of you Kentucky fans that are listening to this podcast, that this is a team that, that wins on the defensive end of the floor and just isn't all that talented offensively. Typically, that isn't something that we have to deal with as Kentucky fans, and normally we don't make a habit of comparing ourselves to Ole Miss when it comes to basketball, but there are a lot of similarities between these teams this season. They both are good defensively. Like I said, they're both not very good offensively, um, like we've already talked about, but both teams really offensive rebound the ball uh, well, and... Um, this is going to be a game where getting to 60 or 65 first might just be um, what what it takes to win. You know, Ole Miss has won some games playing in the 50s, certainly playing in the 60s. So it'll be interesting to see if Kentucky can dictate the pace a little bit more. Uh, obviously, we don't love to play super fast either, but we do play faster than Ole Miss, and that's continued to be even more true lately. Uh, however, that regressed against Florida, uh, but still over the past four weeks or so, Kentucky has opened things up on the offensive end a little bit more. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if it, if they can get back to some of that and, and finding some of the success in the offensive end um, here tonight against Ole Miss. Uh, but 
Offensively, first and foremost, for um, for Coach Davis and the Rebels, uh, it, it pretty much it, it, it all revolves around Devontae Schuler. Uh, he's a he's a senior guard. He's been a really good player for them for four years. Scored over twelve hundred. I think he's closing in on thirteen hundred career points now. Uh, but th- they pretty much go as he goes. He averages sixteen points a game. We'll break that down more when we talk about their personnel specifically. Um, but they're going to set a lot of ball screens for him uh, and, and try to get him into space, whether that be shooting some threes off of the dribble, which he's very good at, having some other guys play, make, and kick it out to him so he can catch and shoot, or just allowing him to get downhill and drive it off of the ball screen. Um, you know, the, They also have Arizona State graduate transfer Romello White. Uh, he, so the, the Romello White and Devontae Schuler ball screen is probably their favorite action, certainly their most effective. Because uh, both of those guys are, they're, they're their two best players. They can both really drive it. Uh, Romello White actually, even though he, he's a big, strong guy, you know, 6'8", probably 240 pounds, doesn't look like a guy that plays on the perimeter. And while he doesn't shoot, he does drive it a lot. So he'll slip some ball screens. He'll even pop and let Schuler throw it back to him. Then he'll drive it from there. But a lot of their offense is just re- revolving around some ball screens for Devontae Schuler, try to let him play in space and get going downhill towards the basket. Um, they do run several set plays as well. A lot of their set plays begin with some sort of back screen to get a guy cutting to the basket, uh, and, and then they'll, they'll either back screen into another ball screen, or they have a couple different set plays, which, uh, as always, needs to be broken down uh, with some videos on Kentucky Sports Radio when the scouting report goes out there so you can visualize some of the stuff that I'm trying to talk through here on the podcast um, and then also I'll have clips out on my Twitter account at VRamseyKSR uh, throughout the afternoon. Um, but they run a lot of diagonal back screen, kind of screen the screener type of action in the half court as well. Uh, so is it, they have some bigger wings, which, again, we'll talk about in the personnel section of this, but that they'll get some of their six 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 seven wings or face-up four men. They'll get them coming off those diagonal back screens to try to throw it inside to him at the rim, then usually they'll have Schuler coming off the screen, the screener um, coming off the down screen part of that action to get him out on the perimeter. Um, and, and then outside of some of those set plays, outside of the ball screening that they will do, uh, it, it, it's essentially a four-round-one motion uh, when they're just flowing into their offense. Um, again, a lot of that motion is ball screening and a lot of handoff action. They really like to interchange on the wings with the handoff, especially early in the possessions and they'll get into some off ball screening action there. They will set a lot of flare screens, especially for Devonte Schuler. He's really good at set, settling in behind those to catch and shoot the three. Uh, so we need to be getting over all of the flare screens, chasing them off of those uh, when they are set for him. Um, and their, their motion offense, it, it'll start to look like a sort of a ball screen handoff continuity almost because, like I did touch on, Romola White will venture out to the to the perimeter some to catch it and look to drive it, but then he'll also dribble into a lot of handoffs. He'll he'll move it ahead and then run into a ball screen. Whether he slips, I mean, he, he slips a lot of them, but he obviously does ball screen and roll quite a bit as well. Um, so that, that, that there is almost like a ball screen handoff continuity uh, aspect to their motion offense, so just something to be aware of. And um, with their personnel, you know, we – we can we can certainly switch any of the ball screens or handoffs that we need to 
as always, but we really shouldn't have to as much this game because we can go under all of that stuff unless it's Devontae Schuler. We definitely need to get over the ball screens or handoffs when Schuler has the ball is because he is so dangerous shooting it and he's really good off the dribble so he can shoot them behind anytime that there's space. Uh, so we do need to get over all the ball screens and handoffs on him, but we should be able to keep a guy on a guy otherwise because we can get under all of that ball screen or handoff action uh, when anybody else has the ball. And that should also take them away on the roll or on the pop because we don't have to help or there's no hedge, anything like that. Um, so that's a lot of what you're going to, you're going to see from them offensively. Like I said, we'll, we'll break this down on a, on some video on, on Kentucky and on my Twitter account. So you can visualize all this there, but it's going to be a lot of ball screens for Devonte Shuler. You're going to see a lot of back screens and diagonal screens to get some guys a catch around the basket. You're going to see some back screens into a ball screen. Um, and then there's going to be some motion continuity style um, offense where they're really just looking to get mostly Devonte Shuler, Romelu White, the ball, and let those guys um, let those guys find a way to score. Because this is a team that they're really really poor uh, when it comes to three point shooting. They're last in the SEC, uh, shooting 28.5 percent from beyond the arc. They also just don't shoot that many in the last two games. They've gone. I think three for 11 from three and then maybe four for 13 from three in the other game. Um, th- those games are against Missouri and Vanderbilt. But so n- not only are they not making very money, but they just don't even attempt to shoot all that, all that much from the perimeter. I think right now they're averaging about 17 attempts or so per game. So, you know, it, it, it's not a big part of their offense outside of Devontae Shuler. They don't really have guys that we need to worry about a ton shooting the ball from three. So we, we, we should be able to really pack in the defense, stay in the gaps, stay in the driving lanes to cut off some dribble penetration, and then just have some good closeouts to get your hands up and, and really force these guys to try to shoot more threes than they're comfortable with. And, and, and yes, that might mean that they make a couple extra, but I still think that's going to be a win in terms of keeping these guys out of the paint, certainly keeping them off the offensive glass, which – which will be harder if they're shooting more threes, but that's just part of it. I think that we have to really turn these guys into sh- into shooters, into perimeter-oriented players, keep them out of the paint. We should be able to do that by sacking in defensively and, and, and daring them to beat us from the outside. Uh, and, and then defensively, just real quick here to, to touch on what they'll do there. Uh, obviously, we all saw Kentucky struggle with Florida's kind of odd front 3-2 matchup style zone. Uh, on Saturday, it, it, it slowed us down a lot offensively, took us back to playing in the 60s, took us back to playing outside of the scoring area. And, you know, it, it was a it was a reversion to some bad habits that we saw a lot earlier this season that over the last few weeks we had kind of started to slowly crawl out of. And that's why our points per game had increased so much. That's why we were getting to the free throw line more. That's why we were making more threes and playing a little bit faster. All that stuff went hand in hand with just a more free-flowing style of offense, and we and, and we took a major step back in that category on Saturday against the zone. Well, guess what? We're going to see uh, just as much, if not more, zone tonight against Ole Miss. Ole, Ole Miss plays a lot of zone throughout the year. It's kind of what they do, and it will certainly be the case once they've watched that film of, of Kentucky struggling against Florida. The difference is going to be Ole Miss extends – out to half court and will really trap 
at half court with a with an extended one three one zone defense. Um, that that top guy, the point of their one three one, will be all the way up at half court. He'll try to slice the floor in half and keep you on a side. And then that way you'd have to pass it over him or dribble right up to the to the half court line, and then they're going to come trap you and try to use that half court line as a third defender uh, to to really box you in and. And, and try to create some turnovers. They are forcing about 16.3 turnovers per game, which I believe is 19th in the country. It's up there towards the top of the SEC. Um, so that, that they are aggressive in that trap. They're going to really try to steal the ball and create some offense that way since they do struggle on the offensive end. Um, they, they will try to make up for that by getting some easy buckets off of turnovers. But from, from that extended 1-3-1, they're going to fall back into a 2-3 zone defense and pack it in against Kentucky and try to do the same thing that we want to do to them, make us be a perimeter-oriented three-point shooting team. And I, I think tonight will just come down to who can play the best at a style of play that isn't necessarily what they want to do day in and day out. And hopefully, I mean, I, I do think Kentucky has better players. We have more talent. I just think that we're a better team. So I, I certainly hope that that is Kentucky tonight that can make more shots. Uh, but this is going to, you know, this game at Ole Miss, and, and you just never know how that, those types of things are going to go on the road. But go ahead and dive into Ole Miss's personnel. Um, number 24, Jarkel Joyner. Um, he is a six foot, 180 pound junior guard. He is a transfer. This is for, he sat out last year, but he's a transfer from um, Cal State Bakersfield. Uh, where he was their leading scorer last year. I think he actually led um, the Western Athletic Conference in scoring at 18.6 points per game. He was first team uh, all-conference out there, out west in the WAC, uh, but had a really good two-year career, started pretty much every game for Bakersfield, um, and he is now averaging uh, 10.7 points per game for Ole Miss this year. Um, he's going to run the point a lot for them. Him and Devontae Shuler will kind of share those responsibilities, but Joyner is not a very good outside shooter right now. This season he's shooting 19.7% from three, 12 for 61. So he is pretty willing. You know, he's still shooting um, almost three threes per game, uh, but he, but he's just not making very many efforts. We really need to, you know, again, the, the name of the game, what I'm going to talk about with both of these guys besides Shuler is going to be to sag off play inside the three-point line, dare them to shoot it, close out short, and really stay between him and the basket. So absolutely no right-hand drives for number 24, Jarkel Joyner. Make this guy turn into a three-point shooter. We can always adjust once he starts to make a couple, but we're going under the ball screens and handoffs. We're staying between him and the basket, taking away the right-hand drives. Number two, Devontae Schuler. Uh, he is a six-foot-two, 185 185-pound senior guard. He's a leading scorer at 16 points per game. 3.1 assists, about three and a half, or th three and a half assists, 3.1 rebounds. Excuse me. Um, he's definitely going to be an All-SEC player this year, deservedly so. He's had a great career down there in Oxford. He's far and away their best scorer, their best shooter. He's really their their entire offense right now, averaging 16 a game, um, 47, 139 from three, almost 34 percent. Um, he's shooting about 40.7 percent from the field overall so that, that's not the most efficient but he just has to do so much he has to take so many shots when he's taken over 100 shots more than Jarkel Joyner who's taken the second most shots on the team 
So there, there's a hundred shot discrepancy between Schuler and their next most aggressive guy. So um, he's really good at driving it either direction, but prefer to finish with his right. He's pretty physical actually now around the rim. That's one area that he's gotten better. He's a, he is a better finisher at the rim than he has been in the past, but he takes a lot of jump shots and that's why his percentages are still a little bit lower, but he's an excellent three point shooter can really shoot it off the dribble as well. So we need to get out and break his rhythm, go over all the ball screens and handoffs. Like I talked about, we have to chase him off of down screens, get over the flare screens. He does really like to shoot it off of those screening actions as well. Um, And and when you got to know where he is at all times, you got to be tight to him, which that should be easier because we're not really tightening up or we're not chasing anybody else on their team. It's really just about number two, Devontae Shuler. We got to contest everything that he gets. More shots than points for him is the goal tonight. And we just got to really make sure we're taking him away from three, making him work really hard for everything that he gets. Next, we got number 15, Luis Rodriguez. Uh, He's a 6'6", 210-pound wing, kind of a guard forward. He is a sophomore for them. Um, Has had had a solid um, freshman season last year, played about 25 games off the bench. Uh, Didn't get a ton of minutes, but uh, did, did, did have a role. Last year as a freshman, um, now as a sophomore, has really seen that role expand and, and has obviously became a starter, averaging 7.7 points and a team leading six re- rebounds per game. He has a bigger physical wing, um, really likes to crash the offensive glass, and we'll continue to talk about that more as we get through their personnel, but Ole Miss is one of the leading offensive rebounding teams in the country. Uh, they lead the SEC in offensive rebound rate, uh, so just on the number of possessions, they get the most offensive rebounds of, of any team per possession in the SEC. They have a bunch of guys that are averaging one and a half to over two offensive rebounds per game, and they're getting about 10 second chances per game as a team. So once again, for a team that struggles to score the ball, that doesn't shoot it great, they get some easy points off of turnovers because of their defense, and they get some easy points off of second chances because they, they're so aggressive and so good at offensive rebounding it and Luis Rodriguez is one of their best at that. He's their second best shooter. He's 19 for 55, so he's, still, he's not even making one three per game, but he is 34.5%. So we want to try to take away the catch-and-shoot threes from him, but you can still help off of him. You can still be sagged in there a little bit. You just need to be a little bit more aggressive closing out to him. Now, the kind of the distinction there is that you, you, you want to close out hard to him you want to get your hands up and try to deter that initial catch and shoot but then you definitely have to bounce back and guard against the right hand drive because he's a really good right hand driver he's a good playmaker and passer off the dribble as well uh, but wants to get in all all the way in there and finish with his right hand Uh, but you know some of these other guys we want to close out short and almost dare them and tell them to shoot it don't necessarily want to do that with number 15 rodriguez you do want to be there on the catch uh, but you can still be in help and you can still clog those driving lanes and and go make Devontae Shuler give it up, for example, when you're guarding Rodriguez, you're just closing out to him a little bit more aggressively than some of these other guys. Uh, next, we have number 25, K.J. Buffin, uh, or number five, excuse me, K.J. Buffin. He's a 6'7", 230-pound junior, another guy that's a, that's a veteran for them that's uh, played at a high level. He started, uh, started all 32 games a season ago. Played a big role back as a freshman as well. This is a former four-star recruit out of Georgia. Uh, Buffin is averaging 8.5 points and 4.3 rebounds per game. 
This guy's a non-shooter. All right, he's seven for eighteen from three, so not something you have to worry about really. Not even shooting one three per game, so we can close out short to him and really take away the right-hand drives. He loves to drive it right. Um, just like number fifteen Rodriguez with number five Buffin, they will run him off a lot of these diagonal back screens, try to allow him to catch the ball around the basket because he's a bigger, stronger guy. Uh, so he'll score it with his right hand over his left shoulder. Uh, but what he really wants to do is face you up and either drive it right or shoot the little 12 to 15 foot face-up jump shot. So just throw a hand up to contest it if he does shoot the J, but you're really worried about him driving it right. So close out short, stay between him and the basket, and take away the right-hand drives. Another excellent offensive rebounder, averaging over one and a half offensive rebounds per game. Rounding out their starting lineup is number zero, Romello White. He's a graduate transfer from Arizona State. This is a guy that was highly sought after uh, coming out of the portal one of the top grad transfers in the country. Um, he started 92 out of the 95 games that he played in three seasons at Arizona State, averaged almost a double-double um, last year, um, led the second in the Pac-12 in rebounding at 8.8 .8 per game, also averaged 10.2 points per game. Uh, this year he is averaging 11 points and 5.7 rebounds per game, but um, over two of those offensive rebounds are – or over two of those rebounds are on the offensive end each game. He's shooting 66.2% from the field. This isn't a guy that's super aggressive in terms of throwing it to him in the post uh, and backing you down, making a bunch of post moves and scoring it. Uh, where he's at his best, cause he, he's really strong, very athletic uh, for a post player, but he's really good at catching it on the perimeter and driving it right. He's an excellent right-hand driver, so we need to close out short. You, you should be almost in the paint when you're guarding him if he's on the perimeter. So you really want to be ready for him to drive it at you. you got to be ready to be physical. He's going to drive it right at you into your chest, try to score up with his right hand, but you can really be sagged in off of him when he's on the perimeter. Uh, but then they also run him off of some screening action. He's really good on the roll, so he'll come out and ball screen or he'll come out and hand off and then roll to the basket and they'll throw it to him. He'll use his athleticism and strength to finish at the rim, but he's always trying to come back to his right hand. He'll start going left to spin back to his right and finish. So you just got to be really physical with him around the basket. Try to um, stay between him and the basket at all times. Make him score over you with your hands up. I'm going to be ready for him rolling to the basket. He does slip a lot of screens as well to try to pop into some space off of the slip, catch it, and then drive it right. Uh, so just really take away the right hand drives. And then when the shot goes up, you got to be physical, box him out, and, and finish possessions with a defensive rebound. Uh, so that, that's all we need to cover in terms of their personnel, that's their starting five. Um, nobody off of the bench really does a ton for them. Their, their, their five starters score the majority of the points uh, off the bench. Their leading scorer averages four points per game. Um, so we we need to do a good job on number two, Devontae Schuler. Like I said, more shots than points for him. He's the one guy you really need to focus on taking away from three-point range. Then otherwise, it, it it's going to be about keeping these guys – um, off of the offensive glass. Again, they're one of the top offensive rebounding teams in the country. They're, they are the best in terms of offensive rebound rate in the SEC. So limit their second chances and make these guys score um, from the perimeter outside of Devontae Shula. Make them score from the perimeter and then end possessions with a defensive rebound. I don't think they're going to be able to score enough to win if we make them do that. Uh, for, Kentucky, for, for Kentucky offensively, the key is going to be how we attack that zone especially against the if they do extend that 1-3-1 one, one out to a half-court trap, we're going to have to be okay with letting the game speed up and playing aggressively on the back end of that. 
if we can, you know, if we can break it off the dribble and move the ball ahead, or if we need to throw it over top and, and play out of the corners, we need to be ready to shoot a lot of threes today. I know it's not necessarily what we do best. We have shot better though uh, over the last several weeks. So I think these guys, especially Davion Mintz, BJ Boston, those guys, their confidence should be at an all-time high, and they should be ready to really let it fly. Uh, so we, we we do need to be prepared to take and make more threes today and then also attack downhill. And once you beat that 1-3-1, don't just let them sag back and get into that 2-3 where they're going to set up, really clog the paint, and cut off our dribble penetration. We need to attack after that 1-3-1, get downhill, be ready to throw up some lobs for Isaiah Jackson, Olivia Sarda Duncan, Jacob Toppin. Um, drive it in there, get fouled or finish it yourself, and then kick out to shooters and, and be ready to let it fly from three and knock some in. Um, so we, we will have to be okay with speeding up and taking some quicker shots on the back end of that extended 1-3-1 because that's going to be where our best opportunities lie instead of letting them sit and get sagged into that 2-3 zone where we might find ourselves more stagnant and not having as many scoring opportunities like we ran into Against Florida, uh, against Florida's zone on Saturday. So there you have it on the breakdown of the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, this is a big game for Kentucky in terms of seeding purposes. There is still um, a good chance that we can capture the sixth seed if we do win today and then on Saturday um, against South Carolina. So we need to finish this season with two wins to improve our seeding. But most importantly, we need to finish with two wins just to continue playing better and have some additional momentum and confidence heading into the SEC tournament down in Nashville next week. Um, so again, tonight, the game is at nine o'clock on ESPN down in Oxford, Mississippi. Let's make sure to tune in there. Now it's nine o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. Uh, for more coverage on Ole Miss, you can check out my Twitter account throughout the day uh, at B Ramsey KSR. As always, I'll be breaking down their offensive defense. You'll be able to see some, some clips of what we talked about um, here on the podcast. So you can visualize all of that, so make sure to follow me and check that out at B Ramsey KSR. And then the scouting report will be up in written form um, probably around 3 o'clock this afternoon on KentuckySportsRadio.com, so check it out there. Uh, otherwise, please subscribe to the podcast if you have not already. Uh, thanks for everybody to everybody for listening. Uh, you can also leave a review if you do feel so inclined. Um, share our podcast around with some friends and family to continue to grow our audience base, but we do certainly appreciate those that have been tuning in. Um, looking forward to the game tonight, and go Cats!